1: Kia ora and welcome to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod once again as we count down to the World Cup. Only a few weeks away now and to do that we've got a couple of special guests on the show today. One, the two-time World Cup winner Jerome Kano coming up very, very soon. We'll get his thoughts on the Rugby World Cup, his life in France, maybe look back at a few memories from his time in black and also that balance between playing hard but fair. And that's particularly important at the moment because we've seen once again Billy Vunipola Shoulder to the head, just like Owen Farrell's, and we're talking about dangerous tackling. So, we'll get into plenty of that. We'll have a look ahead to the All Blacks against South Africa. This weekend at Twickenham. Of course, last time Jerome played that, it was a 2015 World Cup semi-final, so we'll ask him a little bit about that. And also, in our series of All Blacks heading into the World Cup, Ofa Tuungafasi this week, next week, Rico Iwane. So stick around a little bit later on for Ofa Tuungafasi. Before we get into all of that, of course, a quick introduction. Brent Hall isn't here, but my man James Parsons is. Welcome
2: back, mate. Oh, it's good to be here. I thought when you said two special guests I was included in that, but, you know, not to be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're, you're, you're not a guest. You're, you're the star attraction. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Week yeah. on week on week, that's what it says in the YouTube Just put point. a bit of burly uh, out there, you know, to pump myself up. Uh, yeah.
1: We've got a guest. Might as well introduce him now before we get into all of that nonsense once again. 2011-2015 World Cup winner, 83 tests for the All Blacks, 62 games to lose before switching into the coaching. Jerome Kano, welcome.
3: Hey, lads. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for coming on. What's going on? You're sitting in Toulouse now, you just come off the training field?
3: Yeah, it's a quick turnaround over here. We're back into our, our season. Just had uh, round one last Friday night, and so the boys are fully into the season now, and um, looking forward to the World Cup to roll around so we can have a little break.
2: Man, the grind is real. Oh, especially in France, isn't it? it is, it's a little bit, I suppose, because you were with the one team, but it's definitely an extended period, that, that French competition
3: you make it all the way to the final it's 11 months and then uh, depending on the club uh, you've got four weeks before your 1st preseason game so uh, there's a bit of juggling to, to do but um, no it's uh, it's good fun is there,
2: is there much difference in the preseason?
3: No there's no pre-season at all I think it's uh, two three days of um, fitness Bronco the, re- uh, the return uh, assessments and then uh, apart from that we just get straight into rugby so what is your role exactly your skills coach so i'm contact skills coach so i look after the breakdown and anything around the contact area breakdown area but uh, that's with the pro team but i also look after the academy here on forwards and defense coach with the academy
1: you're coaching them in french are you how's how's your language
3: oh <laughs> <Well>, uh, French. <probably. laughs> <laughs> half french I, I had a bit of english in there but I understand all all French, I can understand when they're talking to me, it's just uh, trying to structure my sentences uh, to reply. Um, I always structure it in the way we would reply in English, but uh, 95% of the time it doesn't work that way in French, it's usually backwards or muddled up. Do your kids speak fluent French? I presume that they do. They, they overtook me miles ago, oh, ages ago. So um yeah, they're like sponges, they picked it up real quick. And my daughter, she's she goes to an international school where there are a lot of um Spanish kids and she's picked up Spanish as well. So um oh, you're getting a little bit jealous about <laughs> <No. laughs> Future Interpreter. <laughs>
1: uh, Jeff, you speak a couple of languages, English and uh, code. Yeah, you speak a yeah.
2: lot of code. Yeah, yeah, a lot of code, a lot of code. <laughs> I I, and getting back onto the code LOMS Um, the coachability of the the French players I know the young guys will probably be thirsty but in terms of that pro level um, I'm sure there's probably still some around that you played with but having the stature you do in the game they must sort of gravitate you around that contact area to to better themselves
3: Whenever you spoke about what we did in New Zealand or what the school system was like everyone just shut up and just listen Um, for example we've got Owen Franks over here what's nice at the moment and when he speaks about scrums or anything everyone's just like uh, dead silent just listening trying to take in
2: Their production line um, and their dominance I suppose at that under 20 level must give them a lot of confidence that their systems not only at club land but into that sort of international stuff are thriving
3: They're doing something right but uh, I think it's down to their uh, domestic game here like OD2 uh, Federal 1 and it's uh, uh it's in a good place french rugby uh grassroots and i think it's filtering through to the age grades you're seeing the quality of players that are coming through and um even in top 14 you've got 18 year olds 19 year olds playing top level and then um you filter those kids through to the under 20s and and that's where you get a world world cup so um yeah it's i think uh french rugby and the domestic game here is in a really good place and it's i've uh, seen the benefits
1: You've been, I suppose, privileged to watch a real golden era of players come through, whether it's DuPont and Intimac and Ramos and those those young guys have come through in your time. Are they wired similarly to New Zealanders in the way the flair and the and the skills and all those things as they come in?
3: When, when we talk about Antoine DuPont and uh, Roman uh DC comes to mind, the way they operate, the way they think about the game, how professional they are off the field. Um, yeah, uh, I... I Immediately think Dan Carter in terms of uh, their mannerisms, what they do.
2: On Dupont is is he a big target in that sort of French French club land?
3: Yeah, when he, whenever he plays for us, I always try to target him because he's obviously the the link in forwards and backs, but he's probably the key to our game going forward. But um. The way he adjusts, the way he adapts, it's uh, incredible. Like I think, uh, when I watch him play, it's like he loves pressure. He loves people targeting him because he'll always find a way to uh, adapt to whatever pressure comes his way. And um, yeah, he's an incredible player. Probably, if he keeps going the way he is, could be could go down as one of the best for his size. He's really physical. Loves the contact. He's quite abrasive, but there's skills like, uh, if you've seen him play lately, he's got box kick off right and left foot, and he can fend off both hands. So, um, yeah, a guy that age, uh, what he's able to do, it's uh, pretty good to watch.
1: One of the big talking points the last couple of weeks has obviously been Intermark and his injury, and and what that means for the French team come the World Cup. Their connection. Do you think that there is a way of matching their connection, whether they have Hastoy or they have Charlie Bell or whoever it is at Ten? Is there any way of matching that connection that you have between Dupont and Intermac?
3: No, I think um, I think French rugby have uh, built a good uh, a pool of um, players the last couple of years. They've got a lot of depth. Uh, you look at their, any position that they've got, they've got a lot of depth. But um, whoever fills in for Roman, I'm sure they'll they'll um, try and keep similar cohesion connection that uh, Roman had with uh, Antoine. But I think for us, especially the All Blacks, I think the key for us is up front. Like um, their forwards love to pick and go, love moves, and um, I think for us, if we saw that match in 2021, uh, that's where it all started. For their momentum was up front. And if we're able to do that, uh, makes the job a little bit harder for Antoine and whoever's at ten.
2: Going back to Dupont, even if he doesn't get that platform, does he still perform?
3: Yeah, um, uh, I've seen it a lot of times where he, even though he's going backwards, he's still able to still able to create momentum, still able to get go forward. As for I said, because uh, he he loves pressure, he loves people targeting him, which. Um, allows them to set other people up or create space somewhere else. So, um, yeah, even though we do dominate up front, I think we still need to be on our toes to see what he's able to create.
1: Well, when you've looked at the All Black performances this year, say in comparison to what it looked like in 2021, do you see them progressing in the areas that they need to progress in to beat France in the first round of the World Cup?
3: Oh, yeah, of course. I've, uh, you know, it's been awesome to see how... Uh, They've been able to evolve the game um, and get the results they wanted, but like um, looking back, well, I'm not saying it's going to be the same. But looking back in uh, the past World Cup years, two thousand two years before 2011, we lost uh, in 2009. We lost every home game in the Tri Nations, and everyone was saying that we we're, um, we're a no show for the World Cup. And um, even in 2015, we didn't have uh, the best year. Um, nations as well. So, um, yeah, even though it was a tough last couple of years, it's just good to see the trajectory of um, the team uh, in terms of how they're playing, the style of rugby, and um, key players are peaking at the right time.
2: Just following your socials, did you have a bit of time uh, with the ABs?
3: Yeah, it was good to take the family over to London for the weekend and... um, um, perfect timing for the guys to arrive at Lindsbury. There, um, they had just arrived that morning, so the boys are just doing a, a flush uh, post flight um, training, which was uh, awesome to take my son and watch the boys and be able to catch up with some familiar faces. But um, geez, Tamari Williams, <laughs> I was seeing on TV, seeing him uh, in person, he's there. You go. <laughs>
2: How, how was how was the vibe yeah. in camp? Was there, you know, sort of that edge of excitement now it's finally there?
3: Yeah, a lot of excitement. Uh, yeah, good to see the young boys um, um, cheerful, bouncing around, which is uh, what uh, old dogs like Sam Whitelock and Dane Coles need. They need some excitement, <laughs> enthusiasm. Found <Right. laughs> those groggy yet what are they asking
1: from you when you're in camp? Is it a bit of a talk or just to go in there and, and rub shoulders and pass on some experience or what are they asking from you?
3: I think the initial um, reason why I went over there was just uh, the relationship we have with uh, the sponsors to be able to keep that commercial connection going and just uh, the ex-All Blacks showing face. But um, also just to get along the guys um at training, just to be able to share our knowledge in terms, uh, in terms of what we experienced pre World Cup and and uh, what they could expect. But um, it was just good to be able to just get along and then chat to some of the management, some of the young players in terms of what uh, I know of French rugby and uh, what they're going to expect when they head over.
2: What was the focus like? What's the expectation now they're there? They've got one more game. You know what is what are the key things they need to get right leading into this test, but then you know going into that first test against France.
3: For this team, I just think they just need to get rid of the the mental baggage that they had uh, in the last couple of years, but also twenty twenty one their November, November test. I remember in two thousand eleven, um, everyone was talking about France All Blacks World Cups. Uh, it's not it's not really. Uh, it's not really a good sign for New Zealand having France in their pool, but um, I remember majority of the team in 2011 hadn't experienced 2007 or 2003, so we didn't have that, that baggage, those bad memories. So us young guys, we just wanted to get out there and play. And um, I think the challenge was for the guys who had experienced 2007 was to mentally switch off those memories and just uh, leave the team, which... I thought Richie and Kiwi and the guys who who were there, um, they they led the team uh,
1: really well. There's such a big similarity there in that, you know, you played France in the pool play and then you had to face them at the end. If the All Blacks win this World Cup, there's a really good chance that they'll have to beat France twice as well. We we had a viewer question comes through on an email from Matt Farrar, and he basically says, what would be better for the All Blacks? To hold something back in this first game? And, and have something extra for the final if you face them again, or do you just go all in for
3: this particular game
1: against France?
3: I think you go all in because it doesn't get any easier. Um, if you if you do qualify first or second, uh, you're either going to face South Africa or Ireland. So uh, I think you go all in, gain confidence throughout the all, all phases, and. Um, and then just throw everything in the kitchen sink when you get to the final phases. But I think um, that first game is going to set the tone for the rest of the, uh, the World Cup.
2: From a strategy point of view, if you don't go all in, you're sort of not backing yourself to innovate throughout the tournament. I don't think you can keep the same game plan through the tournament. So the big thing for me is you go all in and then you watch them like a hawk, nail your stuff week to week, but sort of be proactive as that coaching management group to... Know where that game needs to get to, so that they can implement it, you know, quickly, to best, you know, take control of the situation further down the track.
1: And Ian Foster has been all in for the key games this year, hasn't he? It's been that way.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think guys like Joe Schmidt just play such a big role, man. Like he has got such a creative mind when it comes to, you know, innovating and, and pushing beyond those limitations, so to speak, in short spaces of time. And you know, drone sort of alluded to it. There's a lot of experience in there. So that over a number of years, they've learnt how to absorb and change relatively fast. So the main thing will be is that them being able to articulate enough for the younger guys if, if they're needed.
1: Mm. Now, Jerome, one of the key things that going into this tournament was that Shannon Frizzell did such an amazing job at six. And people were saying, you know, this is the, the next coming of Jerome Kano and all sorts of things like that. <laughs> but short of embarrassing you, um, he's out for a few weeks. Where do you see that position sitting for the All Blacks through the first three weeks or so of, of the Rugby World Cup?
3: It's a tricky one. We've got some uh, we got some good young young guys uh that can slide in there. But um you know, going back on Shannon, he's been incredible the last couple of years and it's been good to be able to uh, see him um hit a stride, but little little hurdle was his little injury, but uh looking forward to seeing when he can get back. But yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing um um, Scott Barrett try try six and uh, let the two old heads uh, lock in in the second row but um, say that we've got the two young um, loose forwards from the Chiefs there who um, can start in and do the job as well which is um, exciting
2: I think that physicality is going to be massive and if you look at the squad in terms of going into the World Cup not so much this week because guys will have to drop back out um, but if you look at uh, Luke Jacobson, probably, you know, he is called concrete shoulders for a reason. And that physicality is going to be massive. I do think there's an option to play Tupo Vai there, but I think he'd be better suited on the bench because obviously brody has got to get through his injuries. So, you know, Sam and Scott are going to have to do the business there. And I think you, you're risking too much because he hasn't had a lot of international minutes that mm. if he has to play the full 80 and then move into lock, you know, that's not quite um, a good suit. An out there theory would be Dalton. I mean, Jerome, you can probably talk to this, his ability to cover six as a as a power athlete.
3: Yeah, oh, I think Dalton can cover all three. Eight, seven, six, which uh gives the selectors a bit of flexibility in terms of where they, they want Sam and um and Arie. But um yeah, uh oh, Luke Jacobson, uh, he definitely has uh concrete shoulders of running one of my last games for the Blues, excuse the Chiefs I ran it and- all one of his shoulders and the uh, big mistake. But uh, I'd like to see him as well. Um uh, Really happy for him to make the squad after a few injuries the last couple of years. And um no, I'd love to see him have a go there too.
2: I think one of the best things as well on on Fra- Frazell's development is he was forced into lock for the Highlanders. And he's become a real weapon at line-out time. Like I've harped on for years that you really, as a hooker, you really want your six to be a line-out option. And it, it just opens things up for the locks. And if it doesn't open things up, then you know your six is going to get the ball. Now there's a big focus that, you know, guys like Luke, Dalton, if they are to slip into this role, you know, Shannon's taken some fantastic ball um, at the back of the lineup, which creates such a fast level of play, which has been beneficial to the All Blacks game plan. So um, I still think that, you know, potentially maybe you factor that in, and a two-pova, he may be the option.
1: Mm. What I like about this weekend, Jerome, is that all black spring box is a test match this isn't a warm-up game this is a test match because that's the only way that the all black spring box works right
3: it's one of the best uh test matches to play and when you're at all black it's the uh, spring box all blacks test match but um yeah i'm sure they've got things that they want to try and want to keep back but in terms of uh how they want to play in the world cup the physicality like to pass it, um That's a non-negotiable, and I'm sure the boys can head up there and um, and dig in.
2: On the Springboks, man, that is a hell of a comeback game from Sia Khaleesi. For that amount of time out, he, I don't know, he just didn't really look like he was out for as long as as you'd expect.
3: Yeah, I was, uh, we were talking about this the other day, that... um, Normally knee injuries take about five to six months unless your name's Sio yeah, or Anthony yeah, Jelanch.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's,
3: um, yeah, it's You're going to recover real fast into World Cup year just to get back, but the way he played, it didn't even look like he had injury. It's, uh, incredible.
2: I think that's a massive cog for the Springboks. Like they've had a little bit of an up and down start to this, this year, which, as we know, doesn't really matter much when it comes to World Cups because teams have... You know, done it for years and, and come out better for it but he is he's almost like their mojo like if he's in there and he's firing um, you know Springbok's fans must be just mm. ecstatic with the way he's come back.
1: Jerome one of the most interesting talking points of the last couple of weeks has been what's been going on with the judiciary with the cards obviously we had the Farrell incident last week he got the red card it was taken back by the judiciary now World Rugby is going to go and <laughs> have an appeal. And then straight off the back of that, we see Billy Bunupola get you know, a very similar thing in a red card. It appears that the tackling technique in England isn't that great. And also one of the interesting things about it was that Richie Maunga came out, Stephen Luatua came out, Steve Warren Richie Gatlin came out. People are feeling ground. very free Crank. and easy to exercise their opinion on such matters, especially when you saw the double standard maybe with George Moala. Why do you think that players these days aren't afraid to voice an opinion on such a thing? Because in the past, I think people would have just run for the hills or tried to say as little as possible.
3: Yeah, I guess with the Owen Farrell, George Moore incident, I think the frustration comes where there's so much uh, inconsistency in terms of decisions with the um, judiciary. Like, uh, first offense, and you get 10 weeks, brought down to five weeks and then uh, repeat offender. It's nothing. I think that's where the frustration is. I don't think it's Owen Farrell. Um, problem, I don't think uh, people should be attacking Owen. I think it's uh, judiciary and the system in terms of uh, if they're going to crunch down on head knocks and high tackles, then uh, it should be all across the board, not just uh, certain certain teams or certain uh, hemispheres.
2: On on the tackle techniques, I remember there were some adjustments that was made not to the level it is at now, but um, around sort of giving yellow cards. And I remember, like, at the Blues, you were practising on dropping your tackle height pretty much every training.
3: Well, I'm not one to talk. If so you go back on my highlights, I'm sure every tackle that you see <laughs> on the highlights will be a yellow or a red card. But, uh, yeah, you're right. So it's once you once you have a habit day you, you stick to it. it's really hard to change it. But I think uh, the problem lies in... Uh, People making the rules and people cramping, uh, tamping down on the rules are they going to rule um, all across the board or just certain certain teams? It definitely feels
1: like a double standard. Walking that line between tough and fair, um, what do you teach your players about that?
3: Like aggression is always going to be a rugby it's a contact sport and guys are. Going to want to dominate the opposition, but I think uh, me here with the academy, I think technique comes first, and you can always make a good tackle going low or heading around the waist. It doesn't always have to be up and around the chest or the shoulder area. So um, yeah, I think there's a fine line between uh, being dominant, and being aggressive, and uh, uh, bending the rules. How do you walk that line as an international
1: team in, in a Rugby World Cup arena? Like you, do, you, do you have to become ultra-conservative?
2: No, but I think, I think you have to, um, you know, in terms of the build-up and controlling that sort of fire-in-the-belly-but-cool-upstairs mindset, um, if I use Lockie Swinton as an example, and it's not, I'm not trying to make about individuals, but when he first came in, it was that bled is low and he just wanted to make his presence felt You know, Dave Rennie obviously loves that physical collision and he just got it so wrong off the 1st kickoff. you know. So it's about, like, sort of like Jerome says, like, everyone can have that aggression. Like, you do not become a professional rugby player at any level without wanting to, you know, assert yourself, uh, um, especially if you're in the forwards um, in that that dominating situation. But nowadays, man, you become a liability to be picked, Mm. let alone be contracted on good money if you don't make that adjustment. So... I think you can have both, but as I've stressed last week and as I sort of just said, Jerome there it takes a big commitment to change that that mm. you know tackle technique and there needs to be some sort of expectation that's not going to happen overnight.
3: The professionals that we're talking about they're not amateurs so um, um, yeah if you got to get paid you got to work to change it.
2: And I think environments change like that used to be celebrated because it was allowed mm. so it, you were you were built up by it. But now, I, like, if a teammate just keeps getting red carded and yellow carded, you, you're actually going to be like, mate, this is terrible. Like, this isn't working for us. Like, so the environment won't actually allow it either. Like, mm. So there is, because it's all changed in terms of what's expected and what's loved, if you get it wrong in any of these teams, man, you, you'll find yourself left out in the cold pretty quickly. Mm.
1: So for England, they've got a couple of blokes now up against the Signing Commission. They're not playing very, very well. What happens here? You know, when you think about it, it feels like it's chaos within their camp. But, you know, really, they've got a couple of weeks to sort it out. We've seen, I think, probably best example, 2007, it was absolute chaos in their camp and they still made the final. Is England out of of the running here or is this the perfect time to learn this lesson?
2: Potentially it's the perfect time. Um, I suppose the only thing I will say is, and Jerome, you and I have been through similar seasons with the Blues, it's like the harder you try, the worse it gets. (laughs) <laughs> which sounds stupid but you try so hard it's just you, you just almost that snowball down the hole gets bigger and bigger so um similar to what i suppose Jerome said for the senior guys that have the baggage of 2019 for the all blacks you almost just got to let it go um and you know make sure you prepare as best as possible but if you go in second guessing yourself and your tackle technique you'll get physically dominated and you'll lose the test anyway so you might as well um you know go in with a clear head and, and give yourself the best opportunity i think we know they've got the skill set but if they keep losing key players um to judiciary that they're probably not going to be a, ch- a chance
3: no i think england's going to be a force um if you look at the class that they've left out of their squad um, um they've definitely got the depth to be able to fill in uh it's and and have a world cup uh world class uh world cup squad so um No, I I know a lot of uh, guys in that um, that set up their team, and I'm sure um, come World Cup time, they'll be be where they want to be. But um, for me, I'm not too sure if it's right or not, but I don't really pay too much attention in terms of form of teams before the World Cup because you see teams turn up to the World Cup and uh, they're on so um yeah, it gives you a little indicator of where where teams are at and what the, what kind of game they're playing, but it doesn't uh, it's not uh, it's not the full full story in terms of what you're gonna expect at the World Cup.
1: What are people saying in France? Because you know, in New Zealand we're talking about France a lot. Uh who are they talking about in France?
3: Double <laughs> um, they've got this um Le keep it's like a monthly or weekly magazine that's just dedicated to rugby and the last edition was just all about the All Blacks. The rivalry the French have had with the All Blacks and uh, yeah so um, yeah definitely the front of mind for the French is the All Blacks. And in the first game? Uh, a little bit of Ireland but um, I think uh, from what I hear what I see majority of the talk is about the All Blacks.
2: You have to think because they're in the pool it mm. would be a big fixation and, yep. and just, you know, 2011, last time they were in a pool together, you know, like there's just so many storylines and angles that you can go down. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that you know both of us are excited about it, but also both as fans nervous because it literally could go either way. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. What is the discussion about Ireland over there? Obviously they, they managed to get a win this year. Um, an incredible team that plays an incredible brand of rugby. Uh, when you look at it from from the French point of view, are, are the Irish up there with the All Blacks as a team to beat?
3: I think the French is first focused is the All Blacks, but definitely um, from where I said the Irish are definitely as, as dangerous as the French to the All Blacks. Um, the team, the, the brand of rugby.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank
3: they play um, when they're on it's just uh, incredible to watch so um yeah I think um, front of mind for the French is uh the All Blacks but definitely I'm sure they'll be keeping an eye on what um what Ireland are doing and I'm sure the All Blacks are doing the same
1: what did you think Ireland did really well to beat France um this year and and maybe is that something that the All Blacks can mimic
3: the, the style of game like off a trial line drop kick they did a like a set move off uh, off a drop uh, uh try line drop and they scored off it it's just that that, that style of game that they have it's so expansive the rug speed with jameson is so quick um so if you let them get a the front foot it's hard to stop um we've experienced it the last four years here with um Toulouse playing leinster which is pretty much the Irish team and uh, the speed of war, the contact area—it's um, second to none.
2: I think the importance of Sexton to be out there, though. Like we talked about Joe Smith and how he's an innovator. They got on like a house on fire when you know they were coaching and playing. Um, so their innovation, like drones, is like the, he's almost thought of every what if possible. How do they get themselves out of certain situations? So. Um, he's a key car, I think, to be on the field if Ireland are going to go all the way. will mm-hmm. burn on the weekend. Yeah, I think he. I think he's key.
3: Sexton's um, key because uh, you watch the Champions Cup final. There was no Sexton, and under pressure, um, they let a 17-point lead go. And um, under pressure, you want uh, your best players playing when their pressure comes on. And you saw the Leinster game plan um, at Rebel. Um, when the pressure came on from La Rochelle, so um, I'm sure the French will be keeping an eye on what, how that game panned out and how what they can do to, to capitalise on.
1: Of course, there's the South Africans as well. Both Ireland and South Africa are, are the possible, I suppose, quarter-finalists to, to face France and New Zealand. Last time you played South Africa in Twickenham, 2015, um, must have been a superb memory, I've chatted with a bunch of people in the lead up to this World Cup about a bunch of All Blacks as we try to make different content for Sky Sport and there are two memories that come up when they talk about you, it's one the, the 2015 try um, against South Africa, the other one is the digby Yoani tackle which is at legendary status. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Superman status, uh, maybe we start with that try because you had quite a lot of work to do, can you talk
3: to us through your memories of it and how it played out? I remember probably about three weeks before the World Cup, we'd been, we'd been um, practicing the like the pop over pass or the bridge pass because uh, we knew South Africans like to shoot. Um, they like to shoot them from the wings, and uh, it was crazy how it panned out because Richie had been in that same position at training, and he kept throwing these pop balls, and we were like, "That's going to be a hospital pass game." <laughs> yeah. And then he popped that I jumped and Noel was in front of me and I just uh, had to put the foot down. And I was lucky enough to get it. But, um, it it's crazy how um, you set things up in training and it works exactly how uh, you trained it.
1: Yeah, totally, because it was a hospital pass too because you had to reach it up here on the yeah.
3: run. <laughs> I'm just lucky the uh, Diego wasn't uh, 10 metres uh, in front. of you, smoked me.
1: <laughs> you threw that left hand fend. is that what you did in training too
3: no I was, I, at training I never get training tries and, let alone in the games but uh, I was just lucky that um, it all panned out that way for me what is the, what's the rule with training tries you
2: know no, you don't want to be known as a training try specialist because normally yeah. it means you never ever contribute in games <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> especially if you're a dirty dirty if you're not playing much and then you start carving up when it's two hand touch or shoulders on it's not full contact it's uh, people blow up like within <laughs> seconds and it's full contact yeah. it's just like you get hunted down <laughs> are there any in particular candidates that you can remember who are shockers in it not really at, at Super or, yeah. or Black Level. But down at Harbour. Maybe man. I was it. That's as you. you? But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely know a couple at Harbour, that's for sure.
3: <laughs> oh, the only one that used to carve up in training but I couldn't say anything because he would carve up in the game was Rico Iwani. He'd just make just <laughs> silly <a> tra- sillier <laughs> That's <laughs> true. I'd just let him go to he. He backs it up.
1: Yeah, yeah, and we've in fact got Rico Ioane on the show next week, so make sure you stay tuned for that interview with Rico <laughs> next week. Now, let's talk about the 2011 semi-final, uh, the tackle on Ioane. Now, Ioane had just beaten like four guys. He just shrugged them off. He was scoring. And he was scoring. His head was down. He was carrying three blokes. And it was like, this is try time. What happened at that point when you got your arms on him?
3: Man, I don't know. It just, just happened the way it did i didn't plan for it to happen that way but i was just lucky that uh izzy and kiwi were able to slow him down a little bit for me to be able to anchor the foot and um stop him. but um geez it's not anything that i'll trade or even think about doing it just uh, uh just panned out that way it's uh it's crazy
1: and do people bring it up all the time to Tim? you
3: yeah yeah they always ask me well, what what you thinking do you trade it what do you what do you do what do you bench so like, man. I'm not too strong. It's just, uh, it's just uh, yeah. how it panned out. Yeah, I couldn't tell you how it happened.
2: You, you and Kevy though, were synonymous for it at Super Rugby level as well. Like, there's a number of times that Kevy's just going really low, and then you just come and absolutely maul them. And Kevy, just his body height, has a ability to get low and keep his legs driving. Like so many times, it would be like defender of the of the week video clip and it'd be Kevi and um, Loms just absolutely destroying some poor bugger.
1: Are there any moments from your career on top of that that you you remember as fondly of those or or more from whether they be personal or or team wise?
3: I'd have to say the 2015 quarter final, that springs to mind in terms of um, uh, being with the guys that um, we're part of uh, 2007 on that same field, uh, and during that week, uh, that that 2007 game kept uh, being repeated on TV and stuff over there. So, um, yeah, for us, it was a bit of a let's uh, let's settle the score on this field um, for these boys. So it was, it was awesome for us to put that performance out as a team.
2: And I think if you constantly saw it, it's just a constant challenge to you. And, and, you know, as Jerome says, everyone's got their own little motivators as to why they wanted to do it. But the more you see it, the more you're connected to that and, you know, that connects you to the motivation for the day. And if you look at that game, it was just, it was 23 men possessed. Mm. It was a demolition.
3: The finals phases for us in 2015 was quite set set up quite nicely for us because, um, During the pool phases, we never really performed that well. We, Argentina, Tonga, Namibia, I didn't think we really played the way we wanted to play. Never got the results that we wanted. So um, when we got to the quarterfinal, we still hadn't put out a really solid performance. So I think it was was that that week that DC and uh, Richie really led the team in terms of um, how we wanted to play and the mindset. And uh, you saw those two; they were they're the ones leading the charge. And um, yeah, and DC just followed us for one to the semi and the final it was incredible.
1: I remember hearing a story about that Argentina game. I'd love to hear if it's true that you guys got caught in traffic, and <laughs> and the traffic stuffed you up a bit.
3: Yeah, oh, honestly, oh, I was a shambles in my head. I was like, not my pregame uh, routines out the window. Not going to be able to uh, warm up properly, but uh, yeah, there was a bit of traffic around coming from the Lansbury to Wembley. It was uh, yeah, there was everyone, all block roads everywhere. Um, but yeah, we were able to get there and um, uh, get the game going. Was it touch and go literally to make it to kick off, or what was it? You, you, usually, you're only got forty five minutes. you have to actually get out and do your individual warm up. But I think it was just in ten minutes and then get your kit on and out
2: professional sports people are funny like they do like their routine they do like to have time um, and not feel rushed so the moment that's out of whack and you're strapping it's done on the bus rather and you know it, it's not it, just everything plays with you mentally going you know you're trying to tick everything off in a shorter space of time so you can sometimes do everything a little bit half-assed and then it, and then it just can flow onto that mental side of the game I say it all the time I reckon professional sport, 90% of it's mental, 10% of it's, you know, sort of the physical aspects of the game. And, and something like that is, I'm sure heaps of people out there, oh, it shouldn't be a problem, rah, rah, rah. But at that level, when the stakes are that high, man, okay. it's, it's real crucial that you dot your I's and cross your T's because you will be left behind if you don't. Mm.
1: Is that the interesting part of a World Cup? because, you know, it's seven or eight weeks. And so you have all of these little experiences along the way where it's, it's quite a long journey
3: it is long but when you're in there it just flies by um i think the longest part is actually getting to the bull cup but once you get there and you you get underway it just flies by um but um yeah some really good memories uh 215 and 2011 um yeah do you have a few bets hanging around the uh, around the offices? Not many bets, but um, I've already started to play some pranks. Um, a couple of the boys have walked in and I've uh, hung up some all-black um, scarves on their lockers. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they love that.
4: Uh,
2: I, don't, I don't think I'd be getting too uh, too physical with you, Jerome. I, I think I'll take it on the chin and move on.
1: <laughs> awesome, Jerome. Hey, well, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. No
3: well, Warriors, thanks for
2: having me, guys. Cheers, Lobs. No.
1: Jerome Kane. Obviously, you played a lot of games with him. Um, quite a remarkable player.
2: Oh yeah, massive. Um, he's so like humble and modest, but he's got a razor sharp focus when he gets in um, sort of pressure situations and and big games. And um, you know, he's sort of passes it off to Richie and Dan, but, you know, he was a real key cog for both um, 2011 and, and 2015. He
1: watches everything out. He loves
2: rugby. Yeah, he's he's astute. Um, he's got an, a, an awesome ability of articulating compli- complicated parts of the game in layman's terms, so that's why I think, you know, he, he's... You know, going to be a perfect person coming through the coaching ranks and hopefully one day we see him back here.
1: Yeah, well hopefully he's not teaching too many French people how to clear rucks in the way that he did well, <laughs> before the All Blacks uh, take uh, him to, on in the first to round. To
2: be fair, it would be um, they'll have to do a few reps before they get to that quality.
1: <laughs> now, the next person on our show is another one of your former teammates Offa tungafasi uh, Offer, we spent some time with him a few weeks ago along with many of the other All Blacks that we've had in this series leading into the World Cup. Offer, of course, talked about playing both sides of the scrum, he talked about what it's going to be like in France with the noise and overcoming all of those things and he also gave some great insight into players coaching each other. Here's Offer Tungafasi. Offer, thanks for coming on board for the Rugby Pod.
5: Yeah, uh, thank you. I'm a big fan. Uh... I try to keep up whenever I can but uh, yeah good to finally hear thank you for the opportunity
1: excellent Jibber be stoked about that does he he force you to watch or no it's actually good good, like
5: for me listening listening to your guys chat comes from obviously rugby players Mm. you know the stuff that I see is you know close to what you guys are you know are saying and commentating you know you listen to other shows or media and it's like far away from what you know, a rugby player's yeah. opinion would be on yeah. whatever they're talking about. Can we get that on a handle? Can we get that, <laughs> please? Yeah, yeah, a, I'll see it on yeah, rugby, phone, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely yeah. Super, As
1: well, yeah. I love, I love this row. You've been blooding in a roomie this week. <laughs> <laughs> Tomati Williams. What's oh. that been like?
5: Who was in the room first? I think I was. And Tomati walked in. He's a big man. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, he it doesn't. He doesn't look 140 or what? Yeah. His body weighs well. He's 140. 40 kilograms and i'm 123 i think i look 140 more than he does <laughs> <laughs> but he's just a big man uh, real lean good good man as well mm. still young obviously grew up in australia made the decision to come back home mm. um yeah made some tough choices in his uh his career so far but it's uh, it's work working uh uh, it's working for him at the moment. Put him in a good space.
4: And I guess just for you, obviously, mate, you've been around, around you call yourself a, a veteran. You, is that okay, you, us calling you that now, you're a veteran? No way. <laughs> <laughs> but didn't, you know, very weird, we played a lot with school together, and I yeah. guess, mate, your your growth and where you are now, I heard a lot of chat around Jason Ryan coming in, Joe Smith, obviously, coming in the last 12 months. What have they done specifically that we've seen the growth in Mendoza and against the South Africans? You guys were just brutal and relentless in your attack strikes and your breakdown, especially.
5: Yeah, Jace has been a, a big part coming in obviously in our for, for, in our forward pack um, coming in lifting our standards uh, the details he love details mm. you know, getting that right making sure the boys are you know getting our stuff done and do it well um I think obviously we're closer to the World Cup um, boys are putting their hands up
1: playing good footy being able to play both sides and the development of your loose head play how hard have you worked and what have you been putting into it to, to get to a level where you you're becoming kind of ambidextrous is that, <laughs> is that what you call a proper place both sides
5: it's uh, a good skill to have um, and I obviously we have well, Tamaiti now who's played but who's playing both sides we've got Tevita Mafileto also who can play both sides um it's not just me anymore mm. which was the case the last few years um it's a, it's a great skill to have but it comes with it uh honestly challenges i have to move move across to the other side play there for a couple of weeks and when i go back to tie head I'll, it's like i've gone back yeah two yeah. steps further um, backwards mm. than where i was when i left when we Went into blues mm. back then. Was only there was only one prop on the bench, and that guy has to cover both. Yeah. Mm. I think that's why I had to play both sides.
4: You've done alright mate. You've done it you've done right. You're still there. You've been there for the All Blacks now for almost eight, nine years. I think you've done a good
1: job. You're about to pack down in a scrum. Like, what are the principal differences between what you do on one side and the other? Tired,
5: you get to push. Simple as you get to push two people. You know, trying to keep the scrum down, Lou said you're scrummaging, scrummaging with one side of your body, one shoulder, mm. and you're trying to keep the scrum up. tired's hard physically, mm. pressure-wise, but loose harder technically because there's a lot of things you gotta get right. Mm. Mm. Um, I said the scrum goes down 80, 90% of the time would be the loose fault. Because <laughs> <laughs> his job is to keep the scrum up, you know?
1: If you're only hitting the scrum with one side of your body, the rest of your body has got to balance out. Like you mm. must have to do a lot of work as a loose yeah. head to make sure that you're not crumbling. You're obviously, tired, he said, as they're
5: one of the main position in rugby, but I think loose head is just as hard until you go through the, go through it and scrum as a loose head, you don't get to realize how tough it is, mm. Techn- especially technically. I think I've been around for long now that I can, I know what it looks like. Yeah. yeah but the next stage is is knowing what it feels like because obviously out there on the field, yeah. you can't see yourself doing skirmishing. but if you can feel when you're not in your strongest position, mm. I think that's the hardest step mm. to get to. Mm. Um, so <coughs> getting feedback um, from your teammate uh, is, is, is very important.
2: Mm. All right.
4: Just lastly, I guess more so just, um, this is thinking of, of the World Cup in a few weeks time, months time. The Irish and the French—a um, great challenge. With the Irish came here, you know, last year, and, and did a job on you boys, and you've shown growth from that area. Um, and then going into France, you would have played in France before. What do you think you guys are going to need to do to win the Rugby World Cup? Knowing that you know those two teams have probably been talked about as favourites with you guys in South Africa as well.
5: What do we need to do? Um, like well, I said before, we—I think we're heading the right direction. Um, the boys are playing some some good footy. Mm. Uh, I think we have the people in place um, to to work closely together to have a plan for us in terms of we don't burn out early. Yeah. You know, um, the workloads for the players. Obviously we've we've come out of a hard Super Rugby season and I don't think, I think the Chiefs and the Crusaders boys haven't had any any rest. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that that's gonna be important. Um, The challenge will always be there in terms of, other teams are, are getting better, like like you said, France, mm. um, the Irish. You can't South Africa, mm. England, Scotland's doing well, you know, like Japan on their day they can be anybody. That's you know, good. you can't you can't sleep on <laughs> any team. Um but it, I think it's gonna be good. Uh going in there, not mostly <laughs> last I was part of the two nineteen World Cup. You can just feel the weight of, you know, the expectations of yeah. really, going out there to win. We are the favourites for, for, uh, for that World Cup, but um, I think it's quite good going in there. You know, not, yeah, it's I got a lot of people yet. in our... Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah, you obviously got your own expectations, which are probably the same, right? But yeah. that, that other, the external conversation is a different one. Mm. Yeah, yeah. that's no, interesting. The World Cup, France, you've done a bit of time there. Um, what are your favourite aspects about going to France? Anything in particular you like to do while you're over there?
5: Uh, I just love the crowd. Yeah, to be honest. Uh, it's hard of going. It's hard going away for footy because you know you're just so focused. You get one day off a week where you're trying to get your body right, mm. you know, and get some homework done. So you end up, you know, resting, but you didn't get out and you know, explore and get to see the country. But uh, yeah, for me, I, lo- I love the fan. I love the fans. Mm. Um, it's just an, a different level from from here from New Zealand. The uh, stadium's packed. It's mm. loud. It's almost like a football mm. football crowd, you know, you see on TV. Um, like, you know, that first game against France, mm. imagine that stadium, that crowd will be...
4: We have been in some hostile environment. I can imagine Alice is really hostile. Yeah. But You're talking to a lot of the guys, um, the French are different, it's always loud. How do you guys prepare for that and knowing, you know, you know, if they get off to a really good start, you're not going to be able to hear yourself. So you guys obviously have plans in place to be able to try and nullify that noise?
5: If you're on the sideline it's kind of hard to block out the noise mm. but if you're in there playing uh, that, that's for me mm. when, when I'm on field playing like you can't you just zone in that yeah. you can't it's really you, you can't know. hear anything no yeah. you don't yeah
3: yeah
4: yeah maybe if they score a try then you actually yeah, hear it, yeah. when, hear
5: it. Well, obviously when the whistle goes in yeah. and then you you know like not so tunnel vision you kind of look up you get to see everything yeah.
1: then you yeah. hear yeah but running out there your eyes is on the ball yeah. you can't see so mm. that's a good point yeah. yeah yeah eyes on the prize awesome well hopefully the prize is a big one mm. um you guys come back with the world cup thank you very much for joining us uh, um, thank you I really appreciate it yeah. Yeah. thanks off. For Tuonga Whasi, there's some good insight, especially enjoy the insight into, you know, playing both sides of the scrum and how difficult and how much of a challenge that is to be able to do it and the balance your body has to take to get it done.
2: Oh, massive. I mean, your core plays such an important role in that and, and locking you up and, and giving that stability um, as well as your bind and offers really coming into his own at Lucid. I think that statement he made with Newell um, and Takiaho in Dunedin um, really reminded... Me of us looking at having a, our own form of a bomb squad like South Africa. Hmm. We
1: will probably see a bomb squad to some degree this weekend. I'd say both teams. <laughs> <we can laughs> both
2: these a bomb squad.
1: New Zealand versus South Africa at Twickenham. It's a huge test match. Um, it's a great way to set up yourself to take on the French.
2: Yeah, there is something riding on it, but they can chance their arm a little bit and try a few new things, I'd say. And like Jerome sort of touched on, is you've got to go all in. Mm. There's no no holding back and back yourself and the coaching group needs to back itself that it can innovate and evolve. Um, But I think it's a big confidence piece, like the All Blacks and you've heard it, you know, Sam Cain's sort of come out and said, you know, this has been a more enjoyable year, able to be on the field more, but also, you know, every leader is performing and playing well. Um, So there's a great buzz and hum. So, you know, win, lose or draw, they want to still have that buzz and hum and belief. Um, that, you know, they can go um, to the World Cup. And if you use South Africa as um, champions in 2019, you know, they, they sort of got dominated by the All Blacks in pool play and, and still went on to one. So it's not as drastic. Like, people don't need to be so... Um, I suppose, stressed if Mm. the result doesn't fall our way.
1: It is really hard not to get caught in the week-by-week result stuff, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think it is with All Blacks, and and that's the beauty of it. That's our superpower, is we expect to win every week, and and that pressure and expectation is a great thing for the jersey, don't get me wrong, Um, but this will not dictate whether we win the World Cup or not. Either way, if we thrash South Africa, it's not a big statement that it's ours to lose if if that makes sense.
1: Cool, let's have a look at the games to come this weekend. New Zealand versus South Africa, what are you seeing happening here?
2: Yeah, I think the All Blacks will win Um, I I do think there's a good um, positive balance Um, one day I'll pick against them I promise (laughs) (laughs) Um, might need to be an All Black trial Um, but I I just think they're in a good spot, I think South Africa are dangerous though from what I saw against Wales or Wales are concerning one or, the, one or the other, but I do think that Sir Kalisi case is huge, so it will be a little bit closer, and they're going to have to end like Spring, won't let them dominate physically like they did for 20 minutes in Mount She will be a doozy in that first 20.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of other interesting games this weekend. I think particularly for me, the England-Fiji game. We saw the way that they played on the weekend. That's the Fijians against France. Now we look at this game against England. England aren't playing well. If Fiji can prove themselves again, they head into that first week of the Rugby World Cup where they play Wales who look awful, they could well get a huge upset at the start of the World Cup if they get through this the way they should.
2: Yeah, well, Fiji are a chance. I still think Benny Votovolo is a missing piece. Like, I, I just don't understand that selection. It's obviously a someone, um, But he just seemed to have a better balance in terms of that control out of their exit territory. Um, so, I, I'm not as confident as I was after watching them play Japan, um, but there are chance that I don't know, like, is, it, is, is it Marcus Smith, um, line, like a Michael Smith going, like, or there is... Sp- oh, I just don't know, like, I don't know where England were at. It. Hmm. It's very confusing, yeah. and because every time they've played it's been a red card, not so they've never given themselves an They're opportunity to win. Well. I think if they can keep 15 on the field, um, obviously a home game, then they should probably come in. Yeah,
1: let's run through the next few quite quickly. Scotland, Georgia. Uh, uh, come on, mate. Quickly. quickly. Come on, Stop do
2: You can do it um, Scotland.
1: Scotland, Italy, Japan. Italy. Uh, Spain, Argentina seems pretty obvious. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ireland, Samoa. <laughs> Ireland. The last one, France versus Australia. France. That's a really interesting game, though.
2: It is. It it is. Um, For Australia, more so than the French. The French have sort of, you know, had their up-and-down play, and um, I feel like their squad's in a good place, uh, no matter this result. Um, But, yeah, I just don't see... Again, Australia's like England. Like, because they've changed their squad so much, it's quite hard to know where they're at, you know? Like, it's a total different squad from the Tri-Nations. And... Um, uh, Rugby Championship, sorry. So I don't see them hitting the ground running. Uh, I think France will, will be too good for them.
1: Eddie Jones was funny again this week. (laughs) Just
2: giving the journos a serve. Oh, I I need a shower from all your negativity. (laughs) (laughs) I thought he was having a breakdown live on television. (laughs) It was outrageous. It was bizarre. All with the hat on. You know, like
1: it was hard to take him seriously at the same time standing in an airport with a huge hat on.
2: Those hats, you've got to be able to pull it off. And there's a few in that squad that just didn't quite. (laughs) the hat look about them.
1: Yeah, Yeah, so really, this is a good chance for Australia to show that they're the real deal though. They've done fairly well against France in recent years under Dave Rennie.
2: They have, um, but man, they've got some combinations to to get going. Mm. Like, There's not a lot of time together, Um, there's a lot of new people that you need to give a run because you can't decide to do that in a World Cup, so... Um, I think the squad will be, you know, full of opportunity. And I don't think Eddie will be that sure on who he's picking mm. leading into that first round. In Paris
1: against what's likely to be possibly the top French team.
2: Yeah, and it's starting to build. Like, in France, like, the hype and the excitement for the French people starting to build. They're, they're going to go there. and I mean, it's great for Australia, though. They get to test the water before it actually matters. So they'll be able to lean on this if they make it to the later stages of, of the competition. We'll see what happens.
1: Thanks again, Jibber, for this week. Thank you. See you again next week.
2: next week. I'll no, be quicker next week. No, that's
1: not the truth. <laughs>
2: no, I'm That's not kidding. the truth. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to convince myself. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Awesome as usual. and We'll see Bryn back next week as well on the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. So we'll catch you again then. Thank you to Ofa Tungafasi. Thank you to Jerome Cannon. Thank you for watching, listening, however you take in the podcast, Uh, whether it's an audio pod, whether it's on YouTube, on Sky Sport, or whether you catch us on rugbypass.com. Thank you very much for tuning in. Make sure you send us through some questions on the email, aotearoa rugbypod at sky.co.nz, or send them through in the YouTube comments section. There's always a few there. It went absolutely nuts over the own barrel incident, so thank you very much for engaging with us. (laughs) Thanks once again for joining us on the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Matewa.